pray. Father, thank you for Easter tide, a time to reflect, to rejoice in the resurrection. Thank you for this Sunday, a Sunday to reflect further on the ascension, on where Jesus is and what that means for him and for us. Father, give us grace to, to know that, to see something more of that, enlighten the eyes of our heart, even though we cannot see that with our physical eyes. Show us your mercy in these ways this morning. In Jesus, the risen and ascended one. Amen. You can be seated. As many of you probably know, we, the Friedrichs, used to live in Switzerland on the side of a mountain. And we had, as you can imagine, a stunning view <laughs> in the Swiss Alps. On a, on a clear day, you could just see the Rhone Valley with the Swiss Alps on either side, Swiss Alps everywhere. It was breathtaking, to say the least. But it, all, it wasn't always visible. There were clouds sometimes. And these clouds would come rolling in, and sometimes they would come right where our elevation was and block our view uh, of all these majestic mountains. And sometimes that would happen just for you know, a few hours, sometimes for days. And then people start to get irritated. <laughs> and people start to wonder, why do we live here? Why do people live here? So far from civilization, you've got to wind up all these switchbacks that make you so nauseated. Why are we here? And then the clouds eventually roll out like a curtain, unveiling those majestic mountains again. And you're like, yeah, I remember why we live here <laughs> and why others do too. Clouds, they can both conceal things and they can reveal things. Clouds can also take you to another place. So I'm sure most of you, you've been on a plane and you've had this experience, you've been in the clouds and then eventually you go through the clouds, you break through on top of them and then suddenly all you have is bright blue sky above you and this sea of cloud below you. It's, it's stunning. Well, again, sometimes in our Swiss mountain, these clouds, the sea of clouds would roll in again right at our elevation so that we were in the cloud and it would stay there sometimes for days. And so sometimes you just want to get out of the cloud, go through the cloud. So what we would do is we'd drive up the mountain and there was a ski lift just like five minutes from where we lived. Uh, and so we would get on the ski lift and then eventually that ski lift would take you out of the clouds. You'd break through and then all you see are these mountain peaks breaking through the clouds. And you get out and you ski on these mountain peaks with the bright blue sky above you and the sea of clouds below you and, and you're in another place. Those are some of my best memories with our boys skiing as we did that. Well, clouds, they can conceal, they can reveal, they can take you to another place. And this is not only true of the, the landscape of Switzerland, but this is true of the landscape of the Bible, as we'll see. We heard in our psalm, Psalm 99, that God spoke to Moses and Aaron in the pillar of cloud. So this is a reference to the exodus when the Hebrews exited Egypt 
And God led them through this pillar of cloud by day, which turned into a pillar of fire by night. And then this pillar of cloud would come over Mount Sinai, and it would come over the tabernacle, and Moses would go in to the, to the cloud, and God would meet him there, and God would speak to him, give him the law, and talk to him, reveal things to him like one does to a friend, it says. This cloud... It's described in contrasting ways in the Bible, if you pay attention. It's described as darkness, thick darkness, and also light, as fire, which shows this cloud both, again, reveals things and conceals things. Both are at work in this cloud. Generations later, when the temple was built, the cloud came back. And as the temple was, was finished, the cloud fills the temple and fills the temple with the glory of the Lord, the glory of God, it says. What's been called the Shekinah glory. And the glory was so overwhelming, the, the priests who were present couldn't stand. They couldn't remain standing. They had to get down on the ground. That's what the weighty, bright glory of God does when it's manifested, when we experience it. You want to get down on the ground. Well, a thousand years after that, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the cloud comes back, if you're paying attention. The Gospel of Matthew says and describes it as a bright cloud. And it overshadows them, it says. It comes over them. And then a voice from the cloud speaks. Sound familiar? Like Moses in the cloud. And the voice said, though, this time, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then it says, When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground. And we're overcome by fear. Sound familiar? Like the priests. They couldn't remain standing. But Jesus came. I love this part. And touched them, it says. And said, get up and don't be afraid. And when they raised their eyes, it says they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. His beloved son, listen to him. So the emphasis here is on the brightness of the cloud. And if there's really an emphasis actually of the cloud in the scriptures, it's on the revelatory part of the cloud. And so here it's how God spoke from it. He spoke from this cloud. He revealed Jesus as the divine son of God, the beloved son, as the one to whom we're to listen to more than anyone else. And it appears this same cloud comes back for the ascension of Jesus. But this time it concealed Jesus from our sight. When it took him to the right hand of the Father. So in our first reading this morning in the book of Acts, chapter 1, 
Jesus here had risen from the dead, and as we heard, he's presenting himself to his disciples to show them he's not just a ghost, he's risen in their flesh, showing, him that, showing them that, speaking with them. And then it says, when he was done speaking, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him from their sight. So the emphasis on this time is that concealment took Jesus from their sight. And as we know from other passages, Jesus was taken to another place, to the right hand of the Father in heaven. Now heaven, I think it's important for us to think not of some faraway place beyond the blue. If we just travel beyond the stars far enough, we would get there. No, heaven is more like a dimension that's all around us, present, but unseen, veiled, just a prayer away. And the cloud took Jesus from from our space-time dimension into that unseen, eternal dimension that's all around us. And the cloud is present for these special moments, these special moments when there's these powerful, significant movements between heaven and earth, between time and eternity, between God's space and our space, so to speak. When there's this interface between heaven and earth, when God comes and he enters our dimension from heaven to earth to speak to us, to reveal things to us. These moments when he, these special moments in salvation history, but also in the ascension, when Jesus, the Son of God, goes from earth to heaven. This movements, when these significant movements have happened, there's been a cloud in which and through which God is doing this. And I think how appropriate that this in-breaking and out-breaking, so to speak, this revealing and concealing is done through a cloud. I think the cloud, it symbolizes so much of our life with God. The, so much of the already, not yet. That tension we experience, we know and we don't know. Something's revealed and concealed. I don't know if you caught all that language in Paul's letter to the Colossians, which we'll get to in a moment. But we already see, just not yet fully. God has already revealed himself fully to us in Jesus Christ, but who can say they fully comprehend that revelation yet? Paul says we see in part. We see dimly, he says, as in a mirror, which would have been a bronze, fuzzy mirror back at in those days. Or we could say we, we see sort of as in a cloud. <laughs> so we're thinking about the image this morning. We know and we don't know. There's a, a well-known but anonymous book from the 14th century called The Cloud of Unknowing. And uh, although I don't want to affirm everything in that book, it's on that not knowing end of things and really the unknowing, unlearning things. Well, a friend of ours who used to work at Swiss Libri, uh, who used to be a Zen Buddhist monk, but then became a Christian, started working at Swiss Libri, wrote a book in response to it called The Cloud 
of knowing. <laughs> and so I think that's actually the greater emphasis in the scriptures. And actually, it's a, yeah, a great little book. It's going to go in our book library uh, as you exit on the right. And actually, there's a great poem in this book, if you, keep, if you do read this, by one of our own members. Once you figure out who that is. <clears throat> but in the cloud, you come to terms with what you know and what you don't know. In the cloud, you're going to unlearn things you thought you knew. And in the cloud, you're going to learn things you never thought were imaginable. It's a space, it's a place where you know and you don't know. In the cloud, it's also this place of presence and absence that we feel and wrestle, wrestle with that tension of coming and going of God. God comes to us in the cloud and he leaves us in a sense, like through the ascension. It sums up much of our, our life with Jesus. He's, he's with us and yet he's left us. Poet Malcolm Gite says it like this, in one sense, Christ leaves us and is taken away into heaven. But in another sense, he's given to us into the world in a new and more universal way. He's no more, no more located in one physical space to the exclusion of all others. He is in the heaven, which is at the heart of all things, and now is universally accessible to all who call upon him wherever you are, in any place, any time. So Jesus goes to the Father so that he could come to us all in the person of the Holy Spirit, which we'll see next week when we look at Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, so that he could come to us universally and even more deeply than he did when he walked the earth even more intimate than what the disciples had. He now comes within us. But that's hard to get. I think that's hard for us to imagine. It's not something we see with our natural eyes. We hear about it, and we can trust it in faith, and we can participate in it, but we don't see it, right? It's like being in a cloud and hearing the word of God in the cloud. Paul wrote to his uh, friends in, in his letter to the Colossians in our second reading, and he said this, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on these things. Set your mind on the ascension of Jesus, what it means of Jesus, and what it means for you. That's what Paul's saying here. What it means for your life. And I there's so much about the ascension we could get into. We need ascension tide, as I realized as I was preparing for this. There's so many angles to, to look at here. But Paul says here, reorient yourselves. Fill your mind with how Jesus is now fully and finally at home with his father how he is ruling with his father on the throne and how he is doing that now in our humanity, in our flesh. That's a new situation for the human race. 
No human being has ever done that. No human being has ever been that intimate with the Father in the flesh. If you read the book of Hebrews, you'll realize that to do that would mean you have to deal with the sin that separates God and humanity. To do that, you would have to be someone who conquered death, who rose from the dead and conquered death and sin once and for all. And that's exactly, of course, the message. That happened. That's why Jesus is there, because all that has happened. That's good news. But again, that's hard for us to imagine, I think, especially as modern, secular people, to imagine how that is true, what that means, to even sound credible to us. A lot of that sounds uncredible, incredible. Not only that, but then Paul goes on to say this to the Colossian Christians, you too are there with him. You who are right now on the earth are somehow there with him. I don't know if you picked that up. He starts off by saying, if you have been raised with him, with Christ, seek those things. For you have already died. If you're paying attention earlier, he's already said we've died in Christ, with Christ. And your life is now hidden with Christ. Talking with TJ earlier today or earlier this week, how our our faith is not just a propositional faith, it is a prepositional faith. <laughs> with, with God, with Christ. Your life, your identity is with Christ, hidden with Christ in God, safe and secure. Nobody can touch it. You can rest in that. So just as Christ has died, you too have died in him. We've been saying that, especially during leading up to Good Friday. And then just as Jesus has risen from the dead, so you too have risen with him. We've been talking about that through Eastertide. And now we're saying at Ascension, just as Jesus has risen to the Father's right hand, so you too have risen with him to the Father's right hand. You are with him there. Is that in your imagination, your Christian imagination? This is, this is hard stuff to imagine. Thankfully, Jesus gave us things to help us imagine this. He gave us baptism, of course, to help imag us imagine how we have been put into Jesus by water and the Holy Spirit so that we are in Christ, we are in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension. These are hard things to grasp, but nevertheless, Paul says, seek them out. Set your mind on this. Try to fill your imagination with this. This takes a metanoia, a total revamping of your way of thinking. Repentance is very radical in the Bible. It means a, a total overhaul of your brain, of how you think about God and yourself and the nature of reality. Pursue these, Paul says. Go after them like a treasure hunter. You're, not gonna, you're only going to know them in part, but the part that you can know 
is good and rewarding and life-changing, what's going to rock your world, the little bit even we can know. And then we can be encouraged because there's going to come a time when we're going to fully know, of course, as we've been fully known. There's going to come a time when Paul says, when Christ, who is our life, he says, will be revealed. This is going to be the time when the veil between heaven and earth is finally pulled back fully. And we're going to see the risen Christ and who he is in all his fullness and all his glory. But then Paul says, we too will be revealed with him. Who we truly are is not yet fully revealed to us in this age. That's about to come. I loved how Malcolm Guy ended it in his poem we heard earlier. In his light, or sorry, his light in us and ours in him concealed, which all creation waits to be revealed. That's what's coming. And then earlier in the poem, he wrote, We saw him go, and yet we were not parted. He took us with him to the heart of all things. It's hard to grasp, but that's worth looking into, worth receiving in faith. He goes on, that heart that broke for all the brokenhearted, that's my favorite line, is whole and heaven-centered now and sings. I pray that all the brokenhearted of the family and the friends and the communities of these mass shootings would know something of that. That he would know the one whose heart broke for them. That they would know the one who takes them with him to the heart of all things. I do pray that for them. That place where Jesus Christ is and he's interceding for us when we have no strength or resources anymore to do it for ourselves, he's there when we are without hope, unable to pray. He's there interceding for us. I remember a time, a dark time, when I didn't have the strength to pray. I didn't know what to pray for. I had come to the end of my resources. And I remembered this truth. Jesus Christ is there at the right hand of the Father, as one of us, as representing me, praying for me. And I rested in that. And that was a comfort. But then I experienced Jesus coming and praying in me. And that was another level. I was with Jesus there, and he was with me here, praying. And we were praying to the Father. And he heard our cries. For many of us, these past weeks, I think it's felt like a cloud descending, not a cloud of light, but a, of thick darkness. As we hear all this violence that's just overwhelming and devastating, discouraging, disorienting, causes you to ask questions. Why, God? Why, why does this happen? How does this happen? And in this age, in this in the cloud, we only have so many answers. We are extremely limited in what we know and what we can see. 
But in this age, even in the cloud, we can still hear the word of God. We can hear, yes, the beloved Son of the Father, who was crucified, has risen from the dead. He has conquered, and he is home with his Father, and in him so are you. We are with him there, and he is here with us. May we dwell upon that. Let me pray for just that. Father, thank you for the ascension of Jesus. Thank you that it has happened. Thank you that you have told us about it in your word. And yet we confess this is hard to hear and imagine and trust and walk in and reorient our lives around. So we ask for you to do just that in us, in our minds, in our hearts, in the way we walk in this world. Help us, and we thank you for that. In Jesus, the risen one, amen.